Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. With us today is Florida psychiatrist and addictionologist Aldo Morales. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Abby, for the opportunity. We're going to talk about Suboxone. Now, we need to emphasize from the very onset that as we discuss this medication, it is for information only, and that any and all treatment decisions regarding the use of Suboxone must be entirely the product of a clinical decision between the doctor and the patient. Okay, that being said, most people have heard of methadone maintenance programs as a treatment to control opioid addiction. So let's begin with some background. What's the difference between Suboxone and methadone? That's a great question. Buprenorphine came to the United States via the Drug Abuse Treatment Act that President Clinton signed into law before he left office. And that opened the way specifically for the introduction of buprenorphine or suboxone from France, where the drug originated, so that we could utilize it as part of our toolkit for managing opioid dependence. Suboxone has some advantages over methadone. For example, most people are not able to get a buzz from Suboxone as they do with methadone. Okay, so it's a little bit more neutral in terms of the psychological effects. In terms of its euphoric, euphorogenic property, yes. It can be administered, well, it can be a methadone clinic. When somebody's on methadone, it has to be done through a methadone clinic. It right. has to be registered with the government, et cetera. And we used to call those the MMTPs. That's right. Suboxone can be prescribed through an individual practitioner's office. So a patient does not have to go through the whole methadone clinic type procedure in order to receive the benefits of Suboxone. Okay, but when they go into the methadone maintenance clinics, isn't that also, or isn't there the assumption that they're part of a larger program? There may be counseling involved in that? Yes. As with methadone, the use of Suboxone is never intended to go to be rendered alone. Uh, it, it has to be accompanied by a psychosocial a social intervention, Okay, some sort of counseling. Uh, you can't just say, here, take a Suboxone and have a good life. Are you allowed to maintain somebody on Suboxone? Like methadone, it can be maintained. Is Suboxone just to detoxify? Suboxone is licensed for the treatment of opioid dependence, and that includes maintenance or detox. So you can have a patient on Suboxone for as short as a week if you elect to do so, or you can keep a patient on Suboxone for life if you think you and the patient see, to think that it's the best thing for that particular patient. Okay. Now, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but it's important that people understand that not every doctor can prescribe Suboxone. There is a procedure to go about getting licensed for it. The procedure, to the best of my recollection at this point, is that it's an eight-hour training that can be done online. One can do it through the APA, through your local, uh, maybe some of the local chapters. You can do it online probably directly from the makers of Suboxone, maybe even do that. I'm not even sure that they offer it. Okay. But, but it is available for physicians to get trained. There was a time when you had to go somewhere to get the training uh, live. You had to attend some sort of function. But now you can actually, as a physician, you can do it online. And once you, you undertake those uh, that eight-hour training, then you are licensed to prescribe Suboxone. One of the things that has always been a discussion when it comes to the use of methadone is that whether or not we're simply changing the drug that is controlling some sort of undercurrent or other problem, does the same question apply to Suboxone? Do yes. people? Oh, I want to hear your thoughts about this. Yes. Like I said before, you just can't give somebody Suboxone and say, here you go, take the Suboxone and have a nice life. Suboxone is a tool that we, that we can use as part of our overall management and treatment of a patient with opioid dependence. Now, there are two ways to look at it. You can look at single individual or you can look at society at large. For example, in France, the incidence of AIDS, TB, 
and hepatitis have drastically reduced since the introduction of, of this particular drug. And in France, a physician does not need a special training or a license number in order to prescribe Suboxone. So they have hit, made tremendous strides in the larger context in containing some of the sequelae of, of drug addiction, such as the ones I mentioned earlier. Now, an individual is a little different. Each individual is different, and where in addiction we strive for uh, abstinence and full recovery, um, that creates another question as to, well, how long does a patient stay on Suboxone? Right, and can they stay on it forever, as some methadone clinics keep people on forever? That's correct. One has to weigh the, the uh, options versus, uh, one has to weigh the, the risks versus the benefits. For example, there is a patient of mine who um, is scared of returning to prison. Okay. Does not want to, rego- does not want to return to prison. Is afraid to succumb and uh, relapse and end up getting in trouble again. And this patient has a history of heroin addiction for greater than 20 years and is an older person. I have this patient on maintenance. And they'll be on it again. I know we're getting redundant, but forever. If necessary, yes. Okay. I also noted that in California, I saw some statistics, that since methadone was being used and when they started doing the follow-up studies, that it reduced their crime rate by over 50%. I would assume Suboxone very much the same. That is a great question, and I don't have data uh, to that effect, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's the case. One would have to look at France where it's more widespread. But it would, it would make sense. and I, it w- Yeah, it would make sense. We have historically or traditionally looked at methadone as the replacement for heroin. Yes. That, that's where it came from. But now the major problem seems to be the prescription drugs, the oxycodones, the Vicodins, and so on. Is there a similar shift to Suboxone to deal with those problems, or is it a different population? The population would be the same. We just have another choice now besides just referring a patient to a methadone clinic. We can manage. We can choose to manage the patient through our office. One of the things that always needs to be asked, and you're both a psychiatrist and dealing in addictionology, is what's the draw? Why do people fall into the pattern of misusing narcotics? Do we have any reasonably solid evidence or hints as to why? There's a lot of material coming up. There seems to be a, well, I'm going to talk in generalities here. Okay. There's a genetic vulnerability that becomes expressed under the right circumstances. They've elucidated very clearly some of the biochemical pathways that occur in the central nervous system that are used by all drugs of abuse, including uh, the opiates. And they all follow pretty much the same kind of highway, the same neuroanatomical pathways. In the laboratory setting, you can make a rat into an addict by one of two ways. You can continually feed, continually feed the, the rat the particular drug, an opiate, for example, and it, the, drug, the rat will become addicted. The second way to do it is that if you consistently do this, after 10 to 15 generations, the rats are born with a certain predisposition to becoming addicted. So there's a shift. There's a genetic shift. That's right. Fascinating. And there are patients who will say, Doc, I was not well until I discovered drug X, Y, or Z, and then I discovered this is what I've been missing all my life. These are the people that get into trouble. That's really intriguing because it's, it's 
the predisposition is a setup in many ways. That's correct. Here, here's something else to that effect. There's a link between stress and drug use. What, what they've been looking at is the stress, so early, early life adversities, uh, patients who, who succumb to physical violence, uh, neglect, abuse. That almost sets the tone for it creates a fertile ground for seeking relief, internal relief from their internal dysphoria. By seeking relief, from substances that can provide that very quickly, very efficiently. What happens then if someone who is so predisposed breaks their arm and they need to go in the hospital and they're on morphine for a while or Percocet or any one of the other opiate pain relievers for a while? Is there a risk that they too will fall into this pattern or is there yet another layer of difference that we need to know about the pain patient versus the non-pain patient? The pain patient is a different story. If we're talking about chronic pain, there are people who appear to have a genetic predisposed vulnerability to that chronic pain. And these patients are liable to experience pain to a, they have a lower threshold than, say, the general population at large. But it is a problem because if a, if a patient who never had any addiction problem is placed on opiates for pain control, if they have that vulnerability, they can develop an addiction problem to that to the to the analgesic. But they shouldn't be frightened about getting a pain medicine if they generally need it. Absolutely not, because it's usually not when we prescribe medications say postoperatively, it's not that long. Right. It's it's an it's an acute management. It's the patients that have a chronic pain condition that may succumb to the problem with addiction. Okay. Let's talk a few minutes about the specifics of Suboxone. Uh, how well does it mix with other drugs? Is it pretty friendly? Quite friendly. Initially, there was concern about overdose potential, mm -hmm. particularly if mixed with other central nervous system depressants. There have been deaths reported, but that has been from usually from the combination of injecting the substance buprenorphine in combination with other central nervous system depressants, such as benzodiazepines. But when used in the proper manner sublingually, it's quite, quite safe. As a matter of fact, where methadone has a, a lethality, if you take enough methadone, you will have respiratory arrest. That's, that's, just, what, that's, just, what, that's just what happens that's with, the chemistry. with any OP, right? Yeah. That's the chemistry. Buprenorphine is a partial agonist as opposed to methadone is a full agonist. As a partial agonist, it doesn't go all the way. And you reach a point there that no matter how much you're dosing yourself with extra medication, you will not reach the critical points of producing respiratory depression. So it has a built-in safety mechanism. A built-in safety mechanism. And we like that. Uh, that's great. But what's the difference then between Suboxone and Subutex? Ah, that's a great question. Okay. When the drug was licensed originally, the concern was, the concern of the United States was, why do we need another opiate out there in the community for potential diversion and misuse? We already have enough trouble with the opiates we already own. Why do we need another one? And they, the drug was licensed with the following protocol. Subutex is pure buprenorphine. Mm -hmm. Suboxone is a combination of the buprenorphine plus naloxone. Naloxone is Narcan. Right. Now, as you know, if a patient walks into the emergency room or gets wheeled into the emergency room unresponsive, they're going to get some Narcan just to see if they revive him from a potential opiate overdose situation. So the Narcan that's included in the Suboxone preparation, when used sublingually, is for all intents and purposes, biologically inert. But if the person were to take that Suboxone tablet and melt it and inject it, they are now injecting Narcan along with their buprenorphine. And the Narcan will put them in immediate withdrawal, and it is there as a deterrent to discourage the intravenous use of the drug. 
And, you know, it's very interesting because I have not heard, if ever, as we're talking, of the IV use of Suboxone. Well, now that may be my limited perspective on this, but well, well, here's here's the deal. A patient eventually might learn that it, it may be futile to try to inject the suboxone, and they would like they prefer to get Subutex. We don't like to prescribe Subutex because in the wrong hands out there, someone can get the notion to decide to inject it, and problems can ensue. So we don't like to use Subutex. The only time we use Subutex is in pregnancy because naloxone carries a Category C warning for pregnancy, and we don't want to expose the fetus to the naloxone if we don't have to. That's the only time that we would prefer to use a Subutex. We try not to, I try not to prescribe it so that it doesn't get into the wrong hands out in the community. But it's interesting that if someone, if a lady does get pregnant and she's on Suboxone, you could switch it to the Subutex, subutex I'm saying it incorrectly, yeah. during the duration of the pregnancy, if need be, and perhaps roll her back after the pregnancy. You can, but in pregnancy... Methadone remains a gold standard because we have a lot of data on methadone for that. Suboxone is quite new. There's very few studies, and they're actually ongoing. Very few numbers. The N N is very small, and we don't have data. But I would venture to say that eventually we're going to get very positive data, and it's going to be more easy to use. It may become easier to use than methadone. And what's nice, though, is that we have something that makes sense pharmacologically. and It's a tool that's in, in our tool chest that didn't exist so many years ago. That's right. Now, let's walk through the nitty-gritty of the process of getting on Suboxone. I've heard from different places, different doctors, and different patients that there's a procedure. Some of them have said that they need to go off of their substance of abuse and completely wash out before they start the Suboxone. Is that because of the Narcan that's in in it, or is there another reason? that's, That's a good question. No, it's not the Narcan. I'll tell you what the reason is. So Boxone has a greater affinity for the for the opiate receptor than all the opiates that, that are out there on the street. So Suboxone so being a partial agonist, it is not as effective or as strong as the full agonist such as heroin, oxycodone, etc., hydrocodone. So if a patient has an opiate receptor occupied by a full agonist such as oxycodone, if that patient takes Suboxone or Subutex, if they ingest that substance into their system, since that substance has a substance has, since suboxone has a greater affinity for the opiate receptor, it'll displace the oxycodone or hydrocodone or whatever is there, and will create a deficit because it is only a partial agonist. That deficit is perceived as an immediate withdrawal by the patient, and it is not fun. And suboxone ha- hangs around for a long time, half life of 36 hours. So they're going to go into withdrawal for a long time. So what we do is we tell the patients that in order to start on Suboxone treatment, their opiate receptors have to be available. We don't want any full agonists occupying the receptors. Is there a rule of thumb on how long that takes? There is a rule of thumb. I, I prefer to wait 24 hours. And that's not so bad, actually. That's not so bad. You could probably do it in eight hours. But I prefer to wait because uh, if you administer Suboxone too early, the patient's going to be uncomfortable. It's, it's a negative uh, situation. And do you start at a low dose and work your way up? There are different ways to do it. I'll usually start at 4 to 8 milligrams. And most people do very well with a total daily dose of 16 milligrams. Some people need to go a little higher, but 16 milligrams will hold 90% of people. Does that include the elderly as well, or is there a dose adjustment for the elderly if it should be necessary? No dose adjustment is necessary, but I guess we, all, we, we take that into account. You have to take into account the full medical history of the patient. It's an interesting molecule, and it seems to be making some very significant inroads into the treatment of um, opioid addiction. Is it also used for chronic pain since it is an opioid? 
it can be used off-label for management of pain. From what I understand, it is not as effective an, an analgesic as the full agonists, but it can be used for that purpose, and it is used off-label for that purpose. I know that traditionally, at least from the time that I was exposed to methadone maintenance clinics, people had to go every day for the medication, for the methadone. Is that still the, the expected standard in Suboxone treatment? No. There's a lot more latitude there. For example, you can give a patient a week supply, two-week supply. You can give them a month supply, depending on, on the particulars of that, of that case and, and how safe it is for them to have however much medication you deem appropriate. Now, you can order a whole month supply at one time. Is it more expensive than methadone or pretty much the same? I don't know the answer to that. Probably it is more, it's probably more expensive, but there are other conveniences, mm-hmm. you know, avoiding the methadone clinic situation. There is a generic subutex now. Oh, I didn't know that. It just, just became available. The problem with that is that, as I mentioned earlier, we don't want subutex out in the community to get into the wrong hands. And there, there might be pressure from patients to say, doc, I can get this for less money. I nevertheless still adhere to the suboxone, even though it might cost the patient more money. And there's also the element of a generic medication versus a brand name. There's another variable there in terms of its bioavailability, its potency, and all the things we don't know about. That's right. There's always that variable. So it's somewhat of a of a concern. This has been very interesting. In, in just a few minutes, we've covered a tremendous amount of territory, and I think we've really highlighted many of the issues that are inherent in the treatment and use of Suboxone. Aldo Morales is a psychiatrist in Southeast Florida. He's done this for many, many years, and I thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Abby.